It's probably an understatement to say that prayer is hard. Even for people who are committed to their faith, it can be terribly difficult. Reading scripture can be interesting, worship can be inspiring, volunteering can be rewarding. Prayer is just straight up hard. There are many reasons why that's the case. Sometimes we're afraid we're going to say the wrong thing or use the wrong words. When we're asked to name petitions out loud or in our hearts, we'll stick with in our hearts, thank you. Sometimes it's fear of being vulnerable. We spend so much of our lives trying to make it look like we have things together. Prayer can mean acknowledging that we don't. But for most of us, it's probably something else. It's our busyness. It's our belief that we have things to do, that our time is precious, and we're game to try prayer, but only if we know we're going to get a return on our investment. When people ask if prayer works, that's usually what they're getting at. They're asking, is this worth my time? But when we begin with that question, does prayer work, we're already getting ahead of ourselves. The answer, of course, depends on what you mean by prayer and what you mean by work. When we ask whether prayer works, we often think about prayer as putting in requests. As if you're telling God your problems and saying, could you please take care of this when you get a chance, thanks in advance. If that is what you mean by prayer, then the obvious answer to does prayer work is no. Sometimes we learn that in trivial ways. Praying is easier than studying. And it turns out you can do all things through Christ except pass your calculus exam. And sometimes we learn it in more tragic ways. We pray for someone to get better and they don't. We pray for a problem to go away and it doesn't. We pray to feel a certain way and we never do. So it's tempting to say, well, if prayer doesn't give you the stuff that you want, then why bother doing it? Aren't there better ways to spend your time? Well, let's pause for a second and think about what we mean by prayer in the first place. When you read the Gospels, especially Luke's Gospel, you notice that for someone who has a lot of stuff to get done, Jesus spends an awful lot of time praying. Jesus will be healing and teaching, working his way through the crowds, and then suddenly he will just disappear and go pray by himself. There's a scene early in Luke's Gospel where Jesus heals a leper, and these big crowds start coming out with their own requests for healing. And you would expect Jesus to stick around and heal all of them so that the good news of the kingdom can get around. But instead, Jesus just leaves so he can go pray by himself. If you were the disciples who had to explain where Jesus went, this was probably pretty annoying. If you called the church office to have me come visit you in the hospital and Sharon said, he can't come today, he's praying, you would probably not be too happy about that. So prayer isn't just something that Jesus does when he doesn't have anything better to do. It's a priority for him. And the way Jesus prayed is important too. In his prayers, Jesus frequently called God Abba, which the NRSV translates as Father. Now many of us squirm because it seems unnecessarily gendered, but Jesus' disciples would have heard that and balked for a different reason. They would have said, this is too informal. Abba is like daddy, pops, buddy. It's a way of addressing someone that presumes a relationship. It assumes that this is someone you know, and this is someone that cares about you. 
So when Jesus prays to God, he doesn't begin by trying to impress God. Holy God, who is so amazing and powerful and the best ever, please take a couple seconds to hear me out. Jesus trusts that God is already interested and already listening. Jesus talks to God as if he doesn't have to convince God to care about him. And notice in today's gospel reading where Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, he tells them to address God the same way he does. We're so used to this that we don't even see how radical an idea this is. When Jesus teaches us to pray, he doesn't say, well, this is a prayer that people like me use, and then here is a different prayer that people like you should use. Jesus says the way that I pray to God is the same way that you should pray to God. So Jesus' prayer is our prayer. We don't simply pray to, God, to Jesus, we pray with Jesus. This is why every week before the Eucharist we say the Lord's Prayer together, so that Jesus' words are on our lips as we become and receive the body of Christ together. And notice something else important in today's reading. What is the gift that Jesus says God always gives us in prayer? It's not stuff. It's not a laundry list of our desires. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. One of the first discoveries that the early church made was that Jesus allowed them to talk to God in a new way. That the gift of the Holy Spirit brings us to the place of Jesus, who gives us the words to say to the Father. So we don't simply pray to God, we actually pray in God. So to sum it up, prayer is a way of setting aside time to put ourselves in the presence of God, to remind ourselves that Jesus' relationship with God is our relationship with God. And the result of those prayers is growing more Christ-like in our identity, growing into deeper alignment with God and trusting God. Now hopefully, that changes the way we think about what it means for prayer to work. Prayer working is not a matter of convincing God to give you the stuff you want. It's about growing more deeply in our identity in Christ. Practitioners of what's called contemplative prayer often liken prayer to bird watching, of all things. In a recent book, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, put it this way, quote, The experienced bird watcher, sitting still, poised, alert, not tense or fussy, knows that this is the kind of place where something extraordinary suddenly bursts into view. So the thing that makes you a good bird watcher is not how many birds you can get come to you, it's how well you pay attention. It's learning to sit in hopeful expectation and notice the small little flurries of the divine that happen around you we so often rush past. The rustle of wings in the bushes, the cracking of sticks underfoot, the splash of water upon landing, the signs of life that our busyness and hurrying keep us from paying attention to. Let me give you a tangible example of this kind of thing. A few days before George Reed died last week, we did Commendation of the Dying with his family. Commendation of the Dying is a short liturgy in the ELW pastoral care book. It's a series of prayers and readings. You can add communion if you want. And people tend to be a little bit skittish about doing Commendation of the Dying. Some people think it's a watered-down version of last rites. It's wannabe Catholic. Some people think it's morbid or presumptuous. Are we trying to bump this person by commending them to God? 
But the truth is, it's really for the other people in the room as much as it is for whoever we're commending. Because when you say the prayers, it makes you stop. It makes you stop worrying about oxygen levels and test results. It makes you stop worrying about whether the funeral will conflict with that vacation you planned. It makes you stop worrying about whether you mistakenly called the nurse the social worker's name again. It sets aside a time to step back from all of our busyness and anxiety and pay attention to what's happening in this moment and how we're growing into Christ. Now, many people are justifiably skeptical of prayer. It can seem distracting, even demeaning in some cases. The language of prayer has been co-opted by leaders who respond to tragedies with thoughts and prayers and then proceed to neither think nor pray. It's been reduced to a hollow social convention, a way of acknowledging something bad happened to someone else and reminding them of your own piety. To use Jesus' image, prayer often feels like knocking at the door that won't open. And if you don't get a response, the only reasonable thing to do is give up and go home. No one is coming to the door. No one is going to answer. Go and do something more useful with your time. But at its heart, the prayer that Jesus invites us to pray with him is a form of resisting the injustices of the world. Prayer resists a culture that mistakes cynicism for maturity. It resists an economy that wants to monetize every second of our lives. It resists a society that sees the pursuit of the common good as an extracurricular. And most of all, it resists the myth that we have to justify our own existence. That's really what prayer is all about. Acknowledging that it is not we who knock, but God who knocks, who seeks us out, who calls us into relationship. Prayer is simply a way of opening the door to God, the one who is always knocking, even when we are too busy to hear. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.